0: Welcome to Talent Savvy again. I am here with Sofia, whose last name I'm not allowed to pronounce anymore. Uh, Sophia, welcome. Thank you. So, it's been an interesting week to say the least. Yes. Um, We're still recording a podcast. One of the reasons there are only two of us here, is because it's been such an interesting week and some people have other things on their mind with uh, the current situation in the world, which is, of course, something everybody is able to deal with in his or her own way. So putting on that, I want to start with sharing some really interesting news I come across uh, recently. First, it was uh, the Dutch FD, which is like the Dutch uh, version of the Financial Times, who published an article about criminal activities with recruiters. Basically, Russian and Chinese spies have been looking for uh, technology trade secrets, mainly from ASML and and other companies. And this is mainly the Chinese spies, according to the, the newspaper. But the Russians are in it as well. Approaching people on LinkedIn, we already knew this in the, for the past years, CIA, MI6 have published about this. But now it turned out they actually constructed a complete recruiting agency in the Netherlands. They asked people if they want to come in for an interview for really interesting job opportunities. They tried to get them to reveal some sort of trade secret and then try to blackmail them in becoming a spy within their company.
1: That's hilarious.
0: It's hilarious and it's it's shocking at the same time. I mean, they went so far as to actually rent an office, make it look like a recruiting agency in order to spy on people, which I found shocking. And then I heard about the Lazarus heist. I don't know if you've ever heard about it. I haven't, no. So Lazarus is the hacking group, which is apparently simply part of the North Korean regime. Uh, they're the same people who completely locked out Sony out of all of their buildings after uh, mm-hmm. the, the movie The Interview and they threatened a lot of people. But apparently, they pulled off the very biggest bank robbery in the history of mankind. They stole $1 billion, or they almost stole because of very small mistakes, things went wrong, but they stole a $1 billion dollars from the National Bank of Bangladesh and it turned out that their way into the network was a resume which was a phishing email. So they send a few recruiters and hiring managers at the Bank of Bangladesh this really interesting resume from a guy who had actually also already contacted them on LinkedIn, said he was interested sent his resume and cover letter as a data analyst, which is, of course, a job even the National Bank of Bangladesh is desperately looking for. And it turned out to be a phishing mail, and that's how they got in. And it turned out they had been in the systems for over a year to eventually get Mm. access to the one computer. They were able to send out a billion dollars from the Bank of Bangladesh account at the Federal Reserve in New York. To different accounts and the only reason they didn't manage a lot of it was that the bank they wanted to send it to was on Jupiter Street in the Philippines and it turns out Jupiter is an Iranian cargo ship which is on the blacklist for trade uh, with Iran and, and terrorism financing so because the street name was Jupiter and apparently the American uh system is simply keyword based. Mm-hmm. The trades were put on hold for a while, so they only got only five hundred million or something. Oh, dude! Yeah, and well, one and eventually, what I'm gathering is they basically got it all back because of really good research. But one of the other ones, they once made uh, a single typo in a company name which was also the reason that for one of the 20 million wires it didn't get to the right account and it was flagged stuff like that and but for me the most important thing was it all started with an application Mm -hmm. it's just how do you protect your company from clicking on phishing mails if you have a really interesting candidate who's just sending you his resume.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I had, you know, obviously, if they know what they can put in there, they know what will get opened and looked at. It's it's tricky. And I I mean, that can't be on, on the individual, but you've got to have a safe system in place in terms of IT security, I would say.
0: Yeah, but the one thing about phishing, of course, is it's almost impossible to block against. But anyway, so that was my news of the week, which is just how recruitment is used for crime before we get to our topic of the week which is work simulation assessments a quick word from our sponsor
2: european talent intelligence what does it mean imagine a world where it's easier for you to find and know your target group where it's easier to recruit and attract the talent you need from a european talent pool every year Thousands of corporate recruiters, HR departments and intermediaries rely on Intelligence Group to make that dream a reality. Intelligence Group is the European market leader in recruitment talent intelligence, with innovative dashboards and tailor-made research in 28 European countries. It is our job to empower you as a state-of-the-art, data-driven recruitment business partner. Recruiting with data is great. Recruiting with intelligence group is better. Learn more about our services at intelligence-group.nl. Intelligence Group, market leader in European talent intelligence.
0: All right. So, Sophia, we're talking about work simulation assessments. Now, you hire a lot of Uh, tech people, that's your main area of expertise. Mm -hmm. What kind of work simulations have you done or had done over the time?
1: Yeah. I I in terms of work simulations, yes. I I hire a lot of tech and that's what I've done. So we've done a lot of those kind of assignments. Currently I'm also hiring kind of artists and animators and, and creators in that sense, where the work simulation is also a very important aspect. But we can get back to that. So starting with the tech side. I think to me and in the companies that I've worked in, what we always try and do is to see the work similist assessment kind of as a two-way thing. It's a way for us to check out the skills of the person, the candidate, and giving them a task that it's related to the work we're doing so we can actually see how they are approaching and how they're dealing with a task similar to the one they would be doing if they worked for us. And the other aspect of that is also getting the candidate, giving them a better insight into what kind of work they will be doing. So it kind of work both ways. Obviously, the way for us assessing, but it's also giving them an insight into the job at hand. And I think. My personal favorite version of that was when when I used to work at TV4, they did a lot of mob programming. And the mob programming, if you don't know, you know, that's ordinary programming. You're sat on your own, typing away. Then you have pair programming. You sit together with one person and you type away. Mob programming, there's basically a group of you programming together. So what we would do is when the candidate reached that stage, we would invite them for half a day, and this was obviously pre-pandemic, a few years back, to come to the office and spend half a day with us and basically sit with the team and pair program. It wouldn't be on, on live code and things that were going out. They would pick a task that they already had completed, because obviously you don't to give in to what we're actually doing, but uh, and sit together for half a day and work on this problem together. And that would obviously assess their ability to, to code, but also to see what it'd be like in the team, working together, assessing teamwork, assessing communication skills, and how it would actually be, and also giving them a real insight into working there, not only with the team, but Hearing the atmosphere, feeling the office, seeing your colleagues around, and actually seeing what's going on around us as we're doing this, and I would say that's my, at least my personal favorite in the type of assessments I've I've ever been involved in.
0: Yeah, and I, I've actually learned from uh, because I haven't done that much tech recruitment. I'm usually in, in different parts of the, the recruitment atmosphere um, that uh, techies love coming to the office and actually experiencing either the pair programming or the mob programming as you described it now. And the one thing I also learned from one of my, my head of recruitment friends is you need to put your best programmers in uh, from your own company in there because they will also look at the quality of the person they were pair programming with in his case. And he was like, well, we, we used to put like the least productive guys in there because we would lose the least production and then nobody wanted to work for us because they were like well if that's your level so yeah
1: yeah it's it's like i said it it's a two-way street in this instance it's giving showing the candidates and you know we when we spoke about motivation last time it's the kind of it's not as much as about what's your motivation for applying for the job it's up to me as a recruiter to show you why would you want this job? When I come with the offer to you, why do you want it? So showing the best, you'll be working with this person. Because my experience with developers, a lot of the time, people who might be looking for a new job when asking why they're looking, they might say, because I'm currently the best programmer here. I want to be in a place where I'm not the best because I want to have people to learn from. Yeah.
0: Uh, and I, I actually also once, when I was in an IT company for a short stint, uh, we had somebody actually leave because of the opposite, because they they were used to being the best. And now all of a sudden they were at the lower end of our quality line. And this guy literally said it as an accident of you, like, yeah, it's so hard because I'm used to not being challenged. And here I wasn't just being challenged. I was basically being proven wrong. And I just don't have the energy to up my level that much. Which we, And we were like, yeah, we're really happy that you're quitting now. <laughs> yeah, because... okay, so it
1: sounds like that wasn't the right place for that person.
0: No, 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 no. But one of the job assessment tests we recently did at a company, which was for a recruitment marketer function, and we basically just asked this person, what do you think in the uh, job description as we wrote it, because one of your jobs is going to be writing better job ads because we know... they're terrible or at least they're below par tell us what should we have written differently either in yours or in one of the Mm -hmm. other ones on the website and just to say like okay we know we're not good at this basically because hr is writing job uh, uh, (laughs) descriptions uh, at this company so tell us what do you want, what should, you, do you believe should be improved? I, I actually love that job sample as well. It's what's like.
1: And what what kind of results were you getting then?
0: Interestingly enough, I just thought of the, uh, I was in the other interview round, but we actually, the person we now hired, actually at her own round, she was, she literally asked, which I love, like, am I allowed to criticize what you're doing right now? And we're like, yeah, sure. She's like, well, your current corporate career site, I really want to change XYZ. And I'm like, only XYZ? She's like, well, I'm putting it mildly. I said, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we had actually already decided that it was going to be deleted and completely rebuilt. So the fact that she she came up like, I really don't believe... No, it started with, well, there's no mobile accessibility. Yeah, we know. And so... I really love people bringing basically their own job uh, sample test as well, or their their own work simulation mm-hmm. to an interview. And what I've also seen in in less specific jobs, because of course programming is a really specific job; it's it's easier tested. When I hired marketing and marketing manager, we at some point asked him. Uh, What do you believe should be uh, the go-to-market strategy? You know, these are the top four products we want to emphasize next year in the market. What would your go-to-market strategy be? You know, uh, this company worked a lot with partner networks. So we were expecting, you know, if you do any research, you know we're not heavy on advertising. Actually, we had almost no advertising budget. But all the... Uh, Trade unions and people like that loved us. And we invested a lot of time in it. The founder was very loved by the media. So we were looking like, okay, I'm going to use these and these trade unions to promote this or something. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing was that we had this one guy with an awesome resume who simply wrote, this is a crap test because you have agencies for that. we're like, I don't think you know how small we are because we don't work with agencies like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And interestingly enough, and I had already said like, isn't the uh, junior marketer you have now uh, good enough to be promoted? And when we went through all the applications, they were like, well, they're all actually all better than the junior we have. So we ended up promoting the junior and he's, he did an amazing job afterwards. And we hired a new junior f- with a different sample test because they were everybody thought... Uh, or the management thought, you know, he's not, he's not good enough yet.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
0: we got all these really experienced people writing a uh, a work sample, mm-hmm. and none of them matched up to what this guy we already knew had delivered.
1: Because, but I'm thinking what you were saying there. Like, first of all, the guy who said, "Yeah, this is a crap test. You use agency for that." It's like, yeah. Then obviously. He's just kind of rejecting himself. It's not the job for him because in, in, in this case, agency wasn't wasn't an option. So he's kind of ejected himself from the process. But my question is, so let's say you get these four amazing strategies, go-to-market strategies, but you only hire one of these people. How do you avoid getting the, the three people who came up with great strategies but weren't the final person being hired How do you avoid them feeling like you stole their ideas? Because you could very well be doing a go-to-market strategy extremely similar to the one they came up with. So how do you avoid that?
0: It's a really difficult question. And since this was a legal firm, we actually debated this upfront a lot because they wanted to put in saying, like, we will not use your strategy. And I'm like, well, if their strategy is what we already figured out we're gonna shoot ourselves in the foot so there is no great solution i'm just thinking be ethical about it be as decent about it as you possibly can and again it's 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 a difficult thing yeah i i totally Hmm. get that on the other hand if all of their strategies were close to what we were already doing just mentioning the right contacts you know, mentioning
2: mm-hmm.
0: in, in one case, like the National Society of, I don't know, hosting agencies or something like that, because that, that was mainly where we're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can't really blame us for doing what we we're already doing.
1: Exactly. But it, because the reason I'm asking, because as I mentioned, I've, I've been a lot in the tech industry and the assessments for that, I think we've kind of realized that the standardized assessment isn't the one that should be tailored to the position and, and all of those kind of things. But the other side of what I do nowadays is I recruit creatives. So as in artists, animators, by the way, I love recruiting animators, because I have to check their not portfolio, but their showreel So I literally get paid to watch cartoons. Best part of my job. But either way, <laughs> part of that, you know, there's a big discussion in at least in the creative community in Sweden that I've seen on like Instagram and other groups where they are questioning work samples because the the creators themselves who are applying for jobs and then are made to do work assignments are seeing it as free labor because they're spending hours on something that they don't get paid for to do. And then in the end, the company they're doing it for might steal their ideas. And like you said, it could be a situation where They are doing something and and giving you a similar solution or a similar idea that you already have planned on doing. So you might not be stealing the idea; it just happened to come up with a similar idea. Or -hmm. it could be a case. There could very well be companies who do steal ideas that way. So it's Mm -hmm. it's kind of like how do you go uh, about that? Because to me, like I said, you want it to be an example of of a job they very well could be doing. But at the same time, you don't want them feel as, as if we're gonna steal their ideas. So it's like a balance and, and the kind of work sample assignment that you create to not be something that you can use. But how can you ever guarantee that? So kind of how do you do this?
0: Well it's it's extremely difficult. You can't balance it perfectly. It will never be perfect. Yet whenever I ask for a work sample, I want it to be An hour max. Let's start with that. Okay. So uh, I don't believe in many hours. And you still have people who will put in four hours, but that's on them. They should be able to do it within about an hour as far as I'm concerned, maximum. On the other hand, if you're looking at creative work, uh, the portfolio is already much more telling than than like your marketing project, because you never know who did what, because it's always more of a teamwork or your data analysis, you know, that's it's it's, a work sample is much more predictive there because you don't have a portfolio. Now I know that in portfolios, you can't always share everything, but I always wonder how come a designer doesn't have any portfolio. Don't you do any design work outside of the NDA work, which I would say, listen, either you give us your portfolio if you think it's good enough, or you can do this work sample test. And uh, when it comes to a lot of designers, a lot of them are freelancing on the side as well, you might, uh, which is actually, I think, one of the best ways for recruitment, just give somebody a freelance gig if you believe this person can do the job.
1: Yeah, and, and that's kind of the, the argument I see in the creative community is that they should get paid to do the work sample. Because also there's, like I said, one hour. And I was, this is not me knowing whether it's... True or not, because I'm not an animator, but animation takes time. So, according to the animators I work with and deal with and setting processes, you cannot do an animation in an hour at the level we're looking at. So, once we had a temporary position, because it was only going to be an eight month position, we removed the work sample and judge portfolio only because they say like doing the work sample is going to take eight hours. Because that's the number, that's the time it takes to do that clip. So we, we decided for this short eight month, uh, you know, project-based employment. Yeah, we didn't have a work sample, but for the full time we do because they can't possibly do it in just an hour.
0: Yeah, true. I, I am not well aware enough of uh, animators and how their work exactly goes about. But yeah, I mean, and if it's an eight hour uh, project, I would say, yeah, maybe they, some form of compensation should be in there or because you, I actually know one design company who said the winner will not just get the job, but also, if I'm not mistaken, a thousand quid, but they mm-hmm. said only for one because, and if you win, but you don't want a job because a few of them were freelancing and then they put the work sample pretty much up front because they didn't want to deselect talented people because they found out in the past that even portfolios don't tell the entire story and they didn't want to reject talent. So they Mm -hmm. basically, one of their very first things was do the work sample, but then the applicant doesn't even know yet, will I, do I even want this job? Have I met the company? So they gave out a price, for the person doing the best job according to their current art director.
1: But that's a good point. You're saying, you know, they don't even know if they want the job before doing the test. We at Toka we've placed all assignments after the first interview. So they have the phone screen with myself, then they have the interview with the hiring manager, finding him more about the position. And after that, we have the assignment. Because I think if you are going to invest time in doing an assignment, you've got to want the job. And you don't know if you want the job before you found out more about it. So we, it's coming back to this little bit of that motivation that we spoke about in the, in the last episode that you and me did. So kind of as long as they're motivated enough, they are willing to put that time into a work sample. But it just reminded you what you were saying about the price. I actually had a candidate once, I think it was a data scientist, who asked, okay, I'm going to spend time on this assignment. Can I get reimbursed for it? I'm like, yeah, we don't actually reimburse for assignments. And he was like, okay, if I get the job, can you add the hours I spend on the work sample on my first pay? That we agreed to. The candidate didn't end up getting the job, but it's kind of going. Yeah, if I ended up on payroll, can I be paid for these hours I've worked before I actually started?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, it does also because I'm never a big fan of. But that's just me being paid by the hour. I always like being paid for results. And but that's that's a different that's a different discussion. Now it's it's yeah. There there are a lot of interesting. Things out there, and I I do believe that work samples because we know they have the highest predictive value of anything. That's why I would love to put them as far up front in a, any environment as you possibly can. Because I hate screening out talent, and mm-hmm. especially in this market, we've seen so much talent going to waste because people are rejecting them based on. Or basically non-relevant information, which is in a resume, like, oh, didn't do the right, didn't go to the right college, has no experience in mm-hmm. this. And I've seen a lot of talent being hired who didn't get the chance before. I want to share one more story. And I'm really interesting how you feel about this from one of my former clients. It's, it's a local government they have this traineeship for basically social workers and at some point they said listen do you need a grad- have graduated social studies or would you possibly be much better at your job if you have the right skills but you actually live in a neighborhood we're trying to improve etc cetera, etc cetera. and uh, as a local government we believe we should be promoting social mobility and and giving people chances so they have this traineeship and they basically say and they built a really cool case study, um, which is technically a work sample. They said, listen, mm-hmm. how would you go about solving this specific problem? You have a maximum of four pages to write out your solution. And we're going to evaluate that. And, well, they don't say that up front, but uh, I know uh, they do. On um, Have we seen this before? On the one hand, they're like, do we believe this can work? Because... You know, there are some constraints if you want to spend two million on a basketball court. Well, that's probably not going to work because Mm -hmm. we don't have two million to improve it. Um, But could it work? And could we think of this ourselves or is it a novel idea? Because we want people with novel ideas. Because let's face it, if we had the solution, there wouldn't be a problem in that neighborhood anymore because we would have fixed it by now. So... And this is for the traineeship. They're always hiring a couple of trainees every six months and giving them then that type of assignment for six to 12 months, helping them and maybe afterwards hiring them or at least giving them a lot of work experience, which is highly regarded.
1: How do you look at work sample tests for trainees? I think that's actually really good, especially for trainees because they don't have the previous experience, what else are you going to measure it on then? The previous work experience, they have none. You know, so I, in that case, I really think it's it's good. The tricky thing, when it, because when it's that junior type of position, doing the assignment up front makes sense. The seniors are not as willing. They have to be convinced before spending the time on a sample. If you give them a sample up front before I've spoken to anyone, they're out.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I, I agree. And, well, I, I'd say they're out depending on the type of job. There is a major difference between... Okay,
1: uh, I'm talking tech people. Yeah, tech talking people. Talking yeah, They're no. not going to go, I'm not doing an assignment for you until I know I want the job.
0: Yeah, no, and there, there's a big difference. I'm actually, I think, recruiters, but then again, I would argue that uh, the only reason we have a really high demand for recruiters is because we are not letting in enough talented people in recruiting. Because recruiting is a job which, if you have the right mentality and the right social skills, the technical skills are really easy to learn. Or I easy. think you're totally right about that. Yeah. So we should be testing in a completely different way. You know, high run, high run mentality, train the skills.
1: I say that because I'm a recruiter with... A degree in English and Spanish, and I don't have any sort of HR, any sort of anything to do with that. Yeah, I'm a pretty good recruiter, I think.
0: Yeah. And on that note, I thank you all for listening. If you like our podcast, give us a five star rating uh, in Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, and we'll be back next week.